0: Welcome to the zombified podcast. Have you been zombified by the apocalypse?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Have you?
0: I have been pretty zombified by the apocalypse. I mean, in more ways than one, there's sort of like the actual apocalypses that are occurring. And then there's kind of thinking about the apocalypse. Both That's of those true. are this pretty is, zombifying.
1: This is a big change for us this season because we've gone from the talking about the hypothetical apocalypse like last season, just like six months ago, and all of a sudden, here it is. And so... Uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, here we are. Oh. So welcome, everybody, to the Zombified Podcast. We are your source for fresh brains. This is our episode launch of season three, which we're super excited to share with you. I'm your host, Athena Actipus psychology professor at ASU and chair of the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine
1: Alliance. And I'm your co-host, Dave Lundberg-Kenrick, media outreach program manager at ASU. And uh, brain and apocalypse enthusiast,
0: and we are super excited to have some of the guests from our first few episodes on the show with us today, and also um, some of our production team for the zombie apocalypse medicine meeting and Channel Z. So I really can't wait to to jump in with everyone and start talking about what we have in store for season three, and also uh, what channel zed is going to be like and the zam meeting um yeah. that's in just I, two
1: weeks let me just jump in real quick because that's a lot going on and just in case anyone's listening in for the first time so we're launching the first season of our podcast and then two weeks from now we've also got channel Z, which is all video content we've got a bunch of different shows and so uh we're going to talk a bit more about that throughout today's episode but a lot yep. happening so yeah
0: and all of that is channel z is part of the zombie apocalypse medicine meeting and so if you want to join us you can go to zombiemed.org and uh, register there but i think we should jump in what do you think should we yeah. should we jump in with That's our it. episode
1: here we go it's crazy, but it seems so logical. Try to fight it, but it's something psychological with you.
0: I cannot wait to bring our first guest on to talk about the Toxo Apocalypse. This was one of my favorite episodes ever because I had no idea just how manipulative Toxoplasma gondii was until we we had the chance to talk to Jessica.
1: Yeah, I mean, we knew it was kind of gross, but uh, it is really amazing how much it sort of takes over. Or so. It's yeah. wild. So, uh...
0: All right, well, uh, Jessica, welcome. It is Hi. amazing to have you here with us. Um, could you introduce yourself in your own words uh,
2: and tell us a little bit about the Apocalypse? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Jessica Brinkworth. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Anthropology at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And my lab studies the evolution of immune systems and specifically um, Around questions of severe infection, like sepsis, or like the parasite Toxoplasma gondii can sometimes manifest. Um, uh, it's so it's such a big issue, uh, and it's sort of crowded out a little bit now by another very famous pathogen. So, where where would you like to start with Toxo?
0: Well, uh, why don't we start like with you know what? Is it exactly? Where does yeah. it come from? <laughs> and what can it
2: do to us? Yes. Okay, so Toxo is a parasite. It's a single-celled parasite that's feline born. Um, it's uh definitive host is the cat, and so any cat can carry it. Um and then uh it's a fecal oral infection. So in cats, it comes in through the mouth, it goes out the other side of the gut too. So, so Jessica, basically
0: <laughs> yeah, cats are um, taking it in and they're pooping it out. And then sometimes humans get infected when yes. it's not
2: inside the cats. No, exactly. So then there's intermediate hosts like just about every other warm blooded vertebrate, including humans and rodents. And when they get infected, it's a systemic lifelong infection. Whereas it's a transient infection that's in most cat species, not pathological. In humans, um, most people are asymptomatic unless they're immunocompromised, but there are lots of animals on the planet that it develops into a severe necrotizing infection.
0: And what does that mean exactly that it develops into a severe necrotizing Yeah, it's pretty gross.
2: So one of the things that Toxo does really, really well is that it spreads systemically throughout the body. It has very few cellular boundaries and it has very few species boundaries. So it's a really successful parasite. in animals that, for whatever reason, cannot control the, it's really unclear, certain aspects of what the parasite's doing, that systemic spread is associated with like rotting tissue. They take on a lot of bystander tissue damage. And um, <laughs> sorry, I, they take on a lot of bystander tissue damage. And as a result, they literally have this big rotting infection that's very serious and they die in like three to five days.
0: That sounds kind of zombie-esque, actually, like a severe
2: necrotizing infection. Yeah, oh my god, everything about this thing is zombie-esque. So like starting from the cells all the way up, or suppose you could think about it from the host all the way down. So like a lot of other parasitic infections, it's associated with hyperactivity um, and changes in behavior. And those changes in some mouse experiments have been demonstrated to continue on even if the mouse has been cleared of the infection. And this is probably has something to do with the messing around of inflammation in the host. Wait so, a second. So, yes. so
0: TOXO is changing host behavior somehow.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so there's lots of data on this. It's not completely consistent. It's just known that it's making these big changes, but some of these big changes include uh, mice liking cat fur more, like hanging out in cat fur given the option uh, in a controlled environment, uh, becoming possibly very excited by the the cat fur and, and showing a, a greater willingness to mate. Um, so
0: and- you're saying that the cats actually kind of get turned on by yeah, it's, it's, the the, you know, the, ra- rod- the rodents get turned yeah. on by the cats even though the cats are trying to eat them
2: yeah that that seems to be part of it uh yeah so that's like one of the more fan- fantastic findings uh but there's other things too so uh overall in rodents when they're infected we see this like down i i have think about genomics all the time. So I tend to say things as down regulation, but we see a disappearance of like neophobia, meaning like they become like fear kind of gets suppressed and they become way braver. So they're more likely to be out in open areas. They are more likely to behave in such a way that would allow an animal like a cat to prey on them. So there's, there's that. And so there's this model that, that, or a narrative that exists that suggests that there's been this co-evolution between the parasite, a mouse and the cat, such that these animals end up behaving in such a way that benefits the parasite because it keeps ending up in cats. And cats are important because that's where um, the only place that the, the toxoplasma can um, replicate in such a way that it generates a lot of micro- like microbial, sorry, uh, genomic diversity, whereas like an intermediate hosts, it just sort of gradually changes over time. But there's so much more, you guys. Okay. Oh my God. It's been associated <laughs> with things like being more likely to be an entrepreneur. Sorry, my hair is is in my face. Ah, uh, it's been associated with like um, having problems hearing, such that you have auditory hallucinations. Um, more likely to be in car accidents, more likely to commit self-harm. There's, um, Jessica, do you think like, like having a toxo infection would make you
0: more or less likely to survive the zombie apocalypse? Ooh.
2: And in, in, okay. So what kind of zombies are we talking about? <laughs> I think it completely depends. If we're talking about cat zombies, then yeah, it, it you're kind you're probably done. <laughs> I think it might be over, <laughs> but if we were talking like um, like our current situation, I've been wondering about this like very seriously for a long time. We know that toxo gets an upper hand in severe infections. So um, advanced HIV patients will end up with toxoplasma gondii brain plaques. And uh, when normal host responses are suppressed for any number of reasons during another very serious infection, toxo does well. So in our current apocalyptic circumstances, if someone were to, were to be ill with SARS-CoV-2, I suppose the immediate concern if they're progressing to severity with that would be, oh my god, they're, this is a severe pneumonia, oh my god, they might progress to sepsis, but, um, but outside of that, there's the possibility that toxo also gets an upper hand and makes the infection more complicated. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So it's zombies more things. Can I just really quick tell you? Because I I spend most of my time like prodding cells in the lab, and so this is the stuff that I think is just really wild. Um, it it needs cells to take it from the gut out in intermediate host out to all of these other tissues, and so it seems to escape probably by uh, using immune cells like monocytes or macrophages to like get out. And these are just I could go into explanations. So these white blood cells. A lot of them are lining the outside of the gut. Um, but oh my God, so much more than that. It does this thing, this is for me personally, the weirdest thing that it does. It has many, many mechanisms by which it escapes immune responses and it has many, many mechanisms by which it, it escapes like cellular immune responses, like the responses that are happening inside a cell. Um, and one of them is it like will pull all the cell organelles around it, like in kind of duck and cover. So it's I, like cooking itself. Yeah, and this requires like just an extraordinary amount of of uh, changes to like the architecture of the cell cytoplasm. Like this is a really sophisticated yeah. technique. It doesn't necessarily work very well, but it's something that it does. Jessica, to me, one of the things
0: that's so amazing about Toxo and that, you know, we have the chance to talk about a lot more in the episode is this sort of multi-level zombification, right, that goes on, right? You have the cellular level zombification, you have the zombification of the organism, and then you have the sort of like zombie apocalypse, like ecologically speaking. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah, no, that's the worst thing, right? So it is so hardy as a, as an organism in its egg-like form and oocyst form, it's resistant to most antimicrobials. It's, um, it can take these big temperature and humidity shifts in the environment. And as a result, and it can live for years. That's the other thing is that it's like, it's, so it's, it's all time. over the place. Right? It's I mean, all it's, over the place. Yeah. yeah. Um, for a variety of reasons, um, uh, including, and probably most closely tied to humans, deep affections for pet,
3: and yeah, doing but
0: consult- it's also in all sorts of wildlife, right? That's something that for me was really surprising that I learned from you is how you know even whales have toxoplasma gondii. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So it's it's really disturbing because okay, so all I think I've I think I said this in our, the interview too. All roads lead to the ocean, right? If you flush a toilet with cat feces in it, if a cat poops near a stream, whatever, all that is eventually going out to the ocean. And so, in the USIS form, it's sitting out there in plankton, which means that, like, for a lot of other organisms that rely on that, it can go all the way up their food chain. Uh, and so, we find it in dolphins, we find it in in whales. It's um, and they do strange things, like um, it's implicated in whale beachings. It's implicated in dolphin beach. I mean, yeah, there's weird so- things that dolphins do anyway that might lead them to get beached. It's uh, and then that's not just like out in marine life. Um, I think the impact of it in marine life is maybe not as well known just because, I don't know, the ocean's deep <laughs> you can't see a lot of it, but um, it's also associated with strange migration of deer and a variety of behaviors that we would consider to be like not um, productive for, you know, a host life.
1: So so does it in general sort of cause risk increased risk-taking behavior? Like, because when you're... Yeah. It does. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So species? again,
2: in our zomb- our current zombie apocalypse, it might not be productive for, for hosts. So it could be very productive for Toxo, because risk-taking behavior, if it leads to death and then say consumption by carnivory, then it you get to enter another host, right? So yeah.
1: Interesting. Not so productive for
2: us. And I'm sorry for <laughs> interrupting you, Dave.
1: <laughs> so well, since we're talking about the sort of zombie apocalypse, um, and spreading germs from person to person, perhaps we should bring on our next guest who talks about making friends. Cam Carlson, how's it going?
0: Hi, Cam. Uh, we're gonna need your audio. There we go. Yeah. Great to have you on. Um, Cam, would you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself for, um, for the audience who's listening in?
3: Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is uh, Dr. Cameron Carlson. I'm an active duty uh, military officer uh, as well as a doctor of public health. And I'm also the uh, guy in charge of the media and public appearances for the Zombie Research Society.
0: Awesome. Can you tell us what, a little bit more about the Zombie Research Society?
3: Yeah, of course. Uh, so the Zombie Research Society is a society that is dedicated to researching about how and when the zombie apocalypse actually comes about. Uh, whether that's in the form of a, a flu virus, rabies virus, um, toxo, you name it, uh, and how to survive it. Whether that be from a scientific standpoint, survival standpoint, um, storytelling, historical, you name it. Uh, it's basically like the, the YouTube of the zombie uh, research world. Basically, if you go on the site, click anything, you'll spend all day going down a rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> and so, Cam, how does the current scenario that we're in um, measure up to the Zombie Research Society's definition of uh, zombie
3: apocalypse? So it's terrifyingly accurate. Um, with SARS-CoV-2, you see a pathogen that has spread worldwide in the course of months. I mean, exponentially uh, rampaging through the world. Um, the only difference between this and what, uh, what the uh, Z virus would do would be the Z virus would be highly, uh, high mortality, high morbidity, just like this is high morbidity, but low mortality, low mortality. Um, what's
1: the difference between morbidity and mortality?
3: Morbidity is basically in the rate of infection or how infectious something is mortality is obviously the death rate so if you have let's say spanish flu you had high morbidity high mortality upwards of 100 million people sars cov2 you have low more or low mortality high morbidity
1: okay so a lot of people will catch it but you can catch it and you'll be likely to survive it so correct oh, sure so um but it's yeah it really has spread fast like because we were talking about all this stuff as though it was completely theoretical like just to a couple of months ago and so
0: yeah we recorded the episode before the yeah. pandemic hit and then the pandemic hit and uh <laughs> when we we listened to it we're like holy shit
3: <laughs> yeah. well if you if you remember we were talking about it and a lot of people were getting sick back then because this cov 2 the whole thing wasn't really wasn't really put out there until what was it like november december time frame that said yep this is SARS. This is a, a rhinovirus. This is the coronavirus that we've seen with SARS-CoV-1. But back in October, when I was there with you, it was like, oh, no, no, no. You, you've got a cough. You've got pneumonia. You know, Here's some here's some Motrin, some vitamin M. Smartly, you'll be fine. Um, it wasn't until like two months later that everyone was like, oh, yep, SARS-CoV-2. We totally screwed this one up.
0: So, Kim, one of the things that we talked about a lot in the podcast is this question of, you know, how do you kind of make that team for surviving in the zombie apocalypse? And uh, so what for you, like, what are the most important things about like who belongs on your Z team, you know, in the zombie apocalypse, who do you want on your team and why? And, you know, if there are specific uh, people who you'd call out or maybe you don't want to say it um, live, but uh, yeah, we want to know, how do you put together your Z team?
3: So yeah, good question. Um, So the, the one, the number one thing that you want on any team is the willingness to go that extra distance, the willingness to survive, um, if you don't have that, then you're absolutely useless to not only yourself, but to everybody else around you. Um, the second thing is that, you know, you always go into like, you know, you ever heard the, uh, the phrase, you know, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Well, there can only be one alpha. There can only be one leader. Um, so that would need to be established ahead of time. The other things that you need to look at is the psychological profile of the individuals with you. Uh, are they paranoid? Are they skittish? Are they loud? Are they boisterous? Things like that, because that's you know, loud and boisterous, not so much of a good quality in uh, a, a, a zombie apocalypse, but you know, maybe some other time. But then you also want to have the pragmatics. You want to have the, the scientists. You want to have you know, all these people that can look at a situation and go, OK, I see the pros, I see the cons, and I see the middle. What are we going to do to mitigate the risk in order to make it through this situation? So basically it's a, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of different aspects. And if I had to take it my way, um, I would. Have... All right, because uh,
0: we're, we're losing your audio a little bit, Cam, but maybe I can um, turn this question around a little bit to ask, you know, so in the zombie apocalypse now, um, what, what do you think of, individuals who are more willing to take risks. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for your Z team?
3: I think it goes both ways. Um, in order to be able to make the big rewards, you need to be able to take the risk. So if one, if you need food and the only way to do it is to go into an unknown location, such as a grocery store where you don't know what's in there, to accomplish that mission, then you need to take those risks. However, so, on, sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, I was gonna say, so, you know, if you are infected with toxoplasma gondii, does that make it more <laughs> or less likely that you'll get chosen for, you know, being on your um, Z team?
3: <laughs> well, considering you've got probably about 30 days from what Jessica's told, that what Jessica just said, then I'm saying that, um, yeah, you always need, you always need a slow person, so. You're likely to be
2: on the team. (laughs) I thought I was getting ruled out of the team because of my boisterous nature. No, 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 absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely
3: not.
2: (laughs) It's very possible it's because I'm going to be the slow person. It's,
1: it's interesting, like because when we did the the Tox Apocalypse, we've sort of talked about how how Toxo like actively changes the behavior of the people it infects. And when we did the Z team, we talked about sort of building friendships. But now we're in this situation where everybody, you know, the the pandemic has hit. And I think it's changed our behavior a lot, not necessarily by taking over our brains, but it's really changed how people act. And even things like this risk, who's willing to go to the supermarket has become a real sort of thing. And it's also like when we did the Z team thing, we talked about building the Z team, but I've noticed sort of the challenges in sort of maintaining relationships have been really like really tricky you know and so i thought i don't know i was curious about what you guys thought about how to not only build a z team but maintain a z team yeah. through this thing that's totally changing the way everyone acts so oh.
3: well if, if so if we remember back to the last zam the actual physical zam that we did two years ago um that was one of the questions that came up. How do you choose the team and how do you, you know, keep those members there? Um, and I think that this goes in this whole thing, because if you think about it, in a zombie apocalypse, you're going to have massive casualties across the board. So you're going to be forced to rely on the people that you're with. Here, in my opinion, that you have, because it's low mortality and people are more concerned about ruckers being open, um, the people that, you come in contact with, you're not forced to stay with those people. So from a psychological standpoint, you're like, well, I can hang out with you, but I don't have to because the chances of me being a healthy individual and a certain age range, it's not a big deal for me. So it's completely different mindset.
1: I I have noticed with myself, it's like I hang out, I still hang out with my family right like
3: good good uh, dave keep it up
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i haven't kicked the kids out on the street but i mean even when you know because people talk about these sort of like quarantine pods you know which are sort of like these little v teams that we're building and i find that it's like people like my parents you know and my brother and things like i'm still hanging out with them but then other people i'm being much more cautious about and so Mm -hmm. it really has changed um, I think it's it's the opposite of toxo so for me. Now I'm, yeah. I'm afraid well, to you hang out with anybody.
0: One so. of the things that is I think interesting about like thinking of those Z teams right now is that we're really kind of I think grouping with people who have similar risk preferences with us and disease avoidance behaviors, right? I mean and that's really the essence of like your you know who are you having in your pod is you know well you have to agree like this is how you know, these are our zombie precautionary behaviors that we're all
2: going to engage in, right? Could I, could I gently suggest that then you might want to have a bunch of microbiologists?
3: Yes. Like
2: people who are used to like cleaning everything to like the nth degree.
3: (laughs) Yes.
0: That seems like a a wise uh, approach. So I, I have to say, um, one of the the things that comes up in this episode that um, we did with with Cam is sort of the question of like what you do when things get really bad, right? So you know, I think generally we're a little bit lucky with this zombie apocalypse that it's not the worst possible zombie apocalypse, right? But like when things do get really bad you know how do you maintain that those relationships with with people and you know maintain that cooperation
3: I mean it takes it takes a whole lot of trying um I mean you mean you girlfriends boyfriends wives husbands I mean let's just you you live with those individuals you know their proclivities you know everything about them and you know you there are times you just want to be like, I'm going to strangle you. You know, that's, that you live with that person. You know that person. Can you imagine doing that with complete strangers? But it comes down to, again, it goes back to the whole, I know I'm okay by myself, but from a psychological standpoint, I'm better off with people because not only psychologically do I need that, but strength in numbers actually makes a difference. Um, and and going through those whole scenarios, it really comes back to, um. How do I survive with these group of people that I don't know? And you have, like you said, like-mindedness, driven, and mission-oriented. That's what's going to hold a group together.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
3: You
1: know, I've noticed... I don't know if you guys have noticed this in your relationships since the quarantine, but I do find that a lot of the times when I'm interacting with other people, it is much more mission-oriented. You know, it's like we, we do far less like board game nights or anything like that but we still do a lot of like hey like let's like even this you know like zombified like putting together a project like i've spent a lot of my time trying to figure out ways to be useful and i I Mm -hmm. think that that's i'm guessing that's not a behavior change that's unique to me you know like i don't know have you guys noticed any sort of like similar changes in your behavior
3: oh yeah i mean my wife notices it because since i haven't had to go to work Full time for almost eight months. It's like time to be useful, Cameron. Figure it out. Um, but, but I will say on the other hand, if you look at the, the change that people have made with the whole Zoom thing beforehand, you it almost went the opposite direction. Before it was like, well, people, you know, we see our family members that are living in different states. You know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, you name it. But now. Or at least, you know, two months ago, Zoom calls were every week where the entire family got together in front of the computer with drinks and talked about their week and all that stuff. So I think it's even gone the opposite direction for the most part. Um, so,
1: yeah, that's true. I have noticed that my my family that lives back in Philly, I talk with a lot more um, because now that it's sort of distance, I'm like, oh, I'll call up my cousin Craig, and so yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So I have noticed for myself that, I mean, definitely I have been zombified by the zombified podcast project and and Zam. uh, And it's actually been really, uh, I think, an important part of like how I've been dealing with the apocalypse that we're in is having this project, having this, you know, thing that we're all working on together to try to Communicate to try to make some sense of this crazy moment in time, uh, these apocalyptic times, if you will, that we're in the middle of. And it's been amazing working with you, Dave and Ilana and Erica and, you know, Joe and Carl Flank. And uh, maybe we should bring some of them on. We can talk a little bit about Zam and, and Channel Z.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think that sounds good. Um, So uh, let's see. Do we want to bring Erica on?
0: Okay. Erica O'Neill. So, Erica, it has been amazing having you helping out with so many different aspects of Channel Z and getting the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Meeting ready to go. Just a reminder to everybody, we're having that meeting in um, just two weeks. It's October fifteenth through eighteenth. Um, Erica, what's been your favorite part of working on Channel Z and Zombified? <sighs>
4: I think one of my favorite parts so far uh, has been the diversity of speakers and topics that we have, because we have not just the classic zombies that appear in horror, uh, although we do have people who specialize in those sort of horror films that will be at uh, the zombie apocalypse medicine meeting and who have been featured on the podcast in the past, Um, but learning about real life zombies that are microscopic, like Toxoplasmosis Gandhi. Um, and thinking about how you're zombified by the technologies around you every day that you use. So, I mean, taking a big broad net and casting everything that you can capture zombie related, uh, is really interesting to me. Um, And I think that that's my favorite
0: part about working on both of those projects. Awesome. And Erica, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background also? Sure.
4: Uh, I am a a researcher in the Lincoln Center for Applied Ethics here at Arizona State University. Um, I have a PhD in biology, and I do history and philosophy of science. Uh, So I'm looking at kind of how disease states and emerging technology get regulated at the federal level, um, which is also pretty applicable to, to things that are happening right now. Um, So that's my background in history, but I'm also a project coordinator and I really enjoy doing that aspect with Channel Z too.
0: Yeah. So, Erica, I have to ask your opinion about something. How open do you think the Lincoln Center um, for Applied Ethics would be to changing their name to the Lincoln Center for Applied Zombie Ethics?
4: <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I mean, there's a, a, a big debate on zombie rights activism boards right now about the sort of individual rights versus the rights of the community and sort of how you you go back and forth and kind of prioritize whose rights get to count at what time. Um, so I think right now we're going to keep it the Lincoln Center for Applied Ethics, um, but we'll see how far the the creep and the reach of this zombified project goes, uh, and then you can we can talk more later about that.
0: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, Erica, so you are the co-host of one of the shows on Channel Z. Do you want to tell us a, a little bit about that show? Absolutely. Uh, the show is Eat, Pray,
4: Run. Uh, and it's Prey spelt P-R-E-Y. It's with Rob Dunn, who is the host of it, and he is fabulous at generating all sorts of questions and topics. The theme of the show is kind of like a slow food in the apocalypse take on a cooking and sort of wellness show. So how are you going to feed yourself? How are you going to create community around food in the apocalypse? It's sort of like how are you situated in the environment around you? Do you know where you can go to access different sorts of resources? So it ties in really nicely with what Cam is is speaking on too, sort of this sort of, and Jessica with the situational <laughs> awareness and getting your Z team together, uh, everyone gathers around the table. So that's kind of how we are conceptualizing that.
0: Yeah. I personally like to think of it as the anti-cannibalism show, right? There are other things you can eat besides, you know, human brains, so... Absolutely. Oh, I thought this
1: is like the how to how to cook people. Is this not?
0: I mean,
4: I no, brains are brains are too keto for everyday eating. If you just have all that fat and and protein, then I don't think you're going to go too far in escaping the zeds, so. You got to maintain some of your humanity.
2: There needs to be some oh, sort of yeah. distinction there. Also, I've
1: heard eating brains is maybe a disease pathway. That right, yeah cause...
2: for spongy form encephalopathy right so uh for both yeah for a variety of prion related diseases like okay. mad cows. So, so eating
0: brains can actually turn you into a zombie in a sense
2: eating brains can give you something very serious that leads to yeah I guess you could think of it that way yeah kind of when it goes <laughs> so
3: well with Chiante and favel beans yeah
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. So Erica, what are the um, limits of uh, what you know you would consider eating in the zombie apocalypse?
4: I mean, I think that if you're hungry, almost anything goes. There's food all around you all the time, and it just depends on on the level of your hunger and the state of how you can process the things around you. So I'm I'm a happy happy bug eater. I'm a happy organ eater. Uh, head to tail, snout to tail, eating um, is is the new kind of farm to kitchen eating in the apocalypse so almost any part that you could eat you should don't waste anything
1: so are you actually going to tell us how do we can eat bugs like that sounds kind of i,
4: I mean you're going to have to tune into the show during the right. uh the zombie apocalypse medicine meeting the 15th to the 18th to find so, out
1: so as people watch should they bring like a bowl of bugs and brains to like cook along or will <laughs> you know what do you recommend
4: so, I'm hosting a couple workshops called um, Controlled Decomp Fermentation in the Apocalypse. So if you are interested in how to extend the food source and the light, food stores and sort of the life of the food around you that you have gathered, uh, feel free to register for the conference and tune in. And you can learn a little bit about that. Um, no bowls of braids required.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, so Well, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. So, agree. Um, so... so-
0: we have uh, an amazing uh, next guest who we're going to bring in, uh, Ilana Rain, who is the director of Channel Z, and um, she is also um, a filmmaker. She makes feature films, she makes short films. Uh, extremely creative person. So, uh, Ilana, welcome to our launch episode for season three of Zombified. Hey guys, thanks. Thanks for having me and um,
5: hi Cameron, Jessica. Good to see you Erica and Dave. Gotta say it's a little tense here in um, California. I mean, we can breathe the air but uh, I think there's some disturbances going on down the road and uh, we might have to sort of lock the doors pretty fast with some short notice. So I might have to cut out a little dangerous situation.
1: I mean it's dangerous the world over these days. So, yeah.
5: yes. Um and I'd love to hear some reactions from you guys to this breaking news uh that is actually pretty fresh off of the apocalyptic-ish times that uh it's not totally confirmed but but I hear that the the leader of the um Apocalypse denier movement has come down with a case of the disease, and he's been airlifted to a hospital. And uh, that might cause some uh, chaos in the streets, even on top of our current apocalypse. So I don't know if you guys heard the news or. Want to comment on it, or if it's still we're still in the rumor phase?
1: Honestly, I've been reading the news all day. I've pretty much read the news like half my time. All the time that I haven't been working on projects since the pandemic has started has been me checking the news again and again and again, and just thinking, "What is going on?" and uh, And today's another day of, "What in the world is what in the world is going on?" and do you yeah. do that
5: because you think it helps you as a way to get some control of the situation cuz that's what why I check the news so obsessively I think, like I, I think want to feel a
1: feeling of control you know where I'm like yeah I want this information and then I want to know even though I don't know how much it changes my behavior you know um but it does I mean I do think man what's going to happen you know when I look at the next month cuz I also keep reading news about like a few weeks ago it seemed like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have just all on riots and things like this. And so this was, I mean, it's crazy. And so, uh, yeah, so basically I just update, update, update. So and, uh,
0: Dave, you know, they call that doom scrolling. I love that yeah. word, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> totally, yeah. totally captures, uh, you know, that. And, and I have to say, I found myself, you know, late at night, it's like, put the kids to bed. All right, time to like, you know, not be on electronics. And, you know, I come in here and just start looking at my Twitter feed and, you know, reading the the news to see what all is going on. And uh, it is a little bit addictive, especially when, um, you know, the like reality that we're living in is a bit of a reality tv show almost
1: i mean i feel like that's a thing that hasn't been represented that well in sort of zombie media before the amount of time like maybe i don't know maybe Shaun of the dead might have addressed but just this sort of how often people in a zombie apocalypse are going to be checking no how, the list you know go to whatever the the What's the thing that just the world-o-meters to see how many people are zombies today? How many people were bitten today? And just like right. checking that again and again and again. And like... Um, well, that's big-
5: assuming that we have power. Because power, you know, we've got rolling blackouts here in California.
1: Oh, my... Yeah. Um, and... So, right. I mean, but the thing is now I think there's such a market for it that once we lose power, someone will have to use smoke signals or something just to let me know <laughs> what are the what are the infection rates. And so and um institution uh,
2: of the town crier. Right. Like, right.
1: <laughs> but I don't know. What do you guys think? Like the. This sort of way, this this constantly changing influx of just sort of insanely unexpected news like
2: so I'm oh, sorry I'm oh, so sorry I was gonna say I've been pretty lucky in that it aligns very very close to what I do every single day so for the first four months or so five months maybe I didn't really have the same sort of like doom scrolling effect that everybody else had it for me it was research right so like um so I didn't melt down at all until July. <laughs> that was the first time where I started to think about it on a grander scale. Before then, for me, it was about minutiae, let, let's figure this out. And then I got wrapped into a bunch of research and a bunch of service, so I was always distracted. Now, I'm not so distracted. And um, it's changed how I think about communicating with other people. Like, I, I have COVID time and non-COVID time.
1: Like, what do you mean? Like, but don't, but, but. Sorry, I ahead, I sorry. have
2: people that I talk to about COVID, and then I don't talk about it for the rest of the day. It's become partitioned, like to the best that I can, with the rest of my job. The other thing that happened for me personally, and I think it probably happened for a lot of you guys too, is the demands on shutdown immediately went up. Like I start because what I do now is is useful at least for outreach uh, and for certain aspects of research. My demands went way way up, but the permissions for time and like the boundaries between me and work eroded. So now I very firmly have said, I have my COVID time and my non-COVID time.
3: Well, what's really what's really interesting and in maybe, Jessica, you maybe back me up on this one, is that when you're talking about people wanting news and like watching the news and things like that, if you, it, it depends on what news that you watch and where you get your information from because in Jessica's field, in my field of public health, I can tell you how many times that my opinion or my or my background has been utilized to answer a question about the current environment. And that I can count on maybe one hand. And it's ridiculous. It's People would rather, I, at least I feel like, people would rather get their, their news from CNN, Fox, or Facebook rather than go and look at the CDC, the WHO, the you know, you name it. It's just it's really strange.
0: Yeah, so Ilana, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what reality is like for you and, you know, as the director of Channel Z, is there a, a sort of blurry line for you between, you know, what is Channel Z and what is actually happening in our world?
5: I think the line is so blurry, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and, and like you, Athena, I think focusing on this project has been incredibly helpful in terms of um, staying focused in the moment, also being of service, uh, because I, I truly feel that art and culture are what is gonna save us as a society. If it gets even worse, um, so with the closing of so many of our institutions, museums, theater, uh, what we're doing at Channel Z with the limited resources we have, um, I, I feel like it's a small contribution to to entertaining people as well as educating people, and there is no line, like I said, the personal is the political, art is personal. And the fact that you've had this conference before where it's interdisciplinary and you've already woven together science and art, I feel like Channel Z is just a natural outgrowth of that. Um, So, you know, my, let's stay focused in the moment, do that. I ignore what's happening outside as best as possible while keeping me and my family safe. Just sounds like what you are all doing as well.
0: Yeah, so Alana, for for you with Channel Z, what have been your favorite parts of working on it? Or are there shows that you're particularly excited about?
5: Well, I I am co-hosting uh, Brain Dead Theater uh, with Liz Grumbach, it's really her, her show and I'm, I'm helping as much as I can with her where we go over um, clips of films uh, that she's chosen or a guest filmmaker uh, or artist uh, has come on to uh, share their clips and, and we just analyze them and um, discuss how relevant they are in the current situation. Uh, So that's what I'm part of. But in terms of the other shows, I I really love um, Erica's Eat, Pray, Run just for its sheer uh, practical advice. I mean, like how to make bread without yeast, you know, right now, you know, how, how in the beginning of all this, you know, there were shortages on supermarket shelves. So. We had to be creative. We're all a little spoiled here in America. We're all used to getting everything we want immediately, you know, having 10 different types of mayonnaise to choose from. And, you know, that's just not going to be reality right now for a lot of people. So, pray. Run, uh, Dr. Z Show is also incredibly um, practical. Um, been wondering about certain scrapes and bites, you know, a neighbor of mine shambled by on the street the other day and something was oozing out of his arm. I was like, Hey, well, let's tune into Dr. Z and maybe get some advice on what to do with that situation. So I would check out those two shows first. I mean, all of, of course your show is great. Athena and
1: Dave. <laughs> Yeah,
0: let's not forget us.
1: <laughs> Actually, also I, I do. You're want to our story. leader. <laughs> Having gotten to watch Brain Dead Theater, sort of just as an audience member, it's so fun. Like it's just like a really fun show to watch. So, um, so uh,
5: no, that's cool. I probably I might have changed. You know, I might have put your show in there first if I hadn't had this immediate like you know, we're hungry and there's zombies walking outside feeling where those two shows help yours is more okay, I can kick back and relax and sort of just listen oh, no, to David no, and I, Athena talk about cool stuff.
2: <laughs> Here's
0: a a little screenshot from uh, our show Undead Live, which is going to be basically the news show that carries us through the zombie apocalypse during Zam. So, um, hopefully, Dave and I will will make it through um, without you know becoming completely skeletal. Well, we need to make sure that we actually do eat in between um, segments. So,
1: I mean, it would be really dramatic. If I guess we won't be in the same room because I say it'd be really dramatic if one of us is turning into a zombie halfway through and the other person has like that moral dilemma of to, how long do I keep this person along around for? So. Right.
0: <laughs> so, I, Alana, I have to say that one of my absolute favorite shows is um, kind of our newest show concept, which is um, Unreal World. So this is. Uh, a reality TV show that is kind of unreal. Um, Alana, do you want to say a little bit about it?
5: Well, Unreal World is um chronicling the journey of this just incredible dance troupe and uh and basically they're making their way from the Black Label movement. Uh sorry about that. Uh they're making their way from Minnesota to um, Arizona, to the site, the traditional site of the ZAM conference. And uh, cause you know, I, I hear that they're desperately needed there to help with uh, just the situation. And uh, we need like a serious infusion of, of art and culture right now, especially in some of the worst hit places. So. They're they're coming to uh, help out, and, and I think I we're going to get a peek of them now, right? We
0: are, yeah. So um, Carl Flink from Black Label Movement is um, joining us here now. Um, Carl, uh, are you are you able to uh, are you able to tell us a little bit about where you are and um, why you're in these suits?
6: Can you can you hear me, Athena?
0: Yes, I can. I can hear you, Carl.
6: That's great. Well, we're, we're here in our, um, Minneapolis COVID bubble, utilizing our safety gear that was recommended by experts to us. Um, we're wrestling a little bit with the fact that we can't see anymore because our breath is fogging up our, um, our masks. So, I have two movers from Black Label Movement with me, Chang, Chang, and Sarah, and I'm going to remove my mask so I can actually talk to you a little bit better. Hi everyone.
0: Hi Carl. Hi Carl.
6: So, we're 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 in training up here trying to get ready for all of the um, conversations around zombification that you all are, are queuing up. So we're, we're just really interested in knowing how or learning how you might think uh, a, a dance company and our embodied research could help you um, move along Zam 2020.
0: Well, Carl, it's so amazing that you and your movers are part of Zam and that you're going to be um, making your way here right in a um, in an RV um, so that you can help us sort of deal with the zombie apocalypse that we're all in the middle of and and bring some of your some of your skills to to help us kind of wrap our heads around it um, or our, our brains and I guess our bodies as well.
6: Yeah, I, th- I think you could call what we're doing an extreme COVID bubble. We're going to be um, uh, r- driving in a thirty-two foot RV and um, living together, researching various sites along the way um, to see, you know, just what 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 weirdness is out there right now. Because, as you all know, there's a lot of that going on. So. Um, yeah, we're going to be uh, trying to bring art to places like the Devil's Tower of Wyoming and and um, you know, monuments National Park and things of that nature. So um, yeah, it's we're really excited to get down there. You know, you, as some of you know, we have a, a, a modeling technique called body storming, and we're hoping that that's something we can share with the researchers down there.
1: What what is body storming?
6: Yeah, so body storming is a a technique um, for modeling, using bodies and choreographic strategies um, to fast prototype um, the research for biologists. So we've been doing that with um, biomedical engineer, David Odie um, here at the University of Minnesota. He's a cancer researcher. And so what we do is we all come into a, a dance studio and we get as many people as possible. And then David gives us various rules and um, uh, directions in terms of what he thinks the you know function in a certain cellular um, event is, and then we then I as the choreographer or some of the movers will actually make um, proposals for the rules, and we create a model using human bodies, space, and time to um, to make a model in about five to ten minutes. So a lot faster than programming. Um, a computer uh computer software would would take
1: interesting so that's what embodied research is it's like when you were saying you were saying embodied research before
6: yeah i i would actually just say that dance um choreography in general is is embodied research it's a way of knowing the world using the entire body Rather than um, uh, you know, kind of simply focusing on on the mind and and that that type of uh, um, intellectual practice, but that we're kind of honoring the 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 intelligence of the whole system, and that's one of the things that I think body storming and movers, in particular, bring because they're highly trained um, both um, physically and also in terms of the process of, of, of listening to the research of the scientists to process um, what, what we're doing in these body storms. And so it, what, what, what was fantastic about it is if you can imagine, a scientist is sitting outside of, of their model and they're looking at this model manifest, but then one of the great things we can do is we can actually pull the scientist into their model and they can experience from it from the inside out.
0: That's awesome. And I had such a great time, actually, you know, before the zombie apocalypse hit, Carl, um, came to ASU to do a body storming session with our research group about, uh, cancer and other related topics. And, um, some of you might know, I, I actually used to be a professional dancer, but um, social dance and I did a little improvisational dance too. And it was one of the funnest days of my life, Carl, when you came and put together that workshop and um, I actually, you know, got to be part of a cell membrane and uh, yeah, so I thought it was amazing and really fun and also really insightful. You know, it does make you think very differently about the processes that, you know, usually you just think of abstractly in your head. Um, But when you actually have to instantiate them, um, and you know, as someone who does computational modeling, I'm programming models all the time, right? But there is something much, you know, much more visceral about actually being an entity in the model that you're trying to create.
6: Yeah, I mean, as a scientist, how often, so many um, scientists are working with um, materials or concepts that are at the the microbiological level or very small or even enormous um, astronomical um, uh, theories, that the idea that you can actually enter this and bring that knowledge to the fore that you have both in your mind and also your body, I think is, um, is something that really, has the, has the potential to shift thinking and give new perspectives to um, various researchers. And we've certainly found that to be the case. We've, we've actually done this um, technique with probably now over 30 different scientists from various different um, fields.
0: That's amazing. And so Carl, this whole idea of doing embodied research, that's actually a, a very big part of the motivation um, for our unreal reality show, Unreal World with you. Can you say a little bit about, you know, the embodied research side of this reality show?
6: Yeah, well, you know, one, one of the things that's definitely going to be coming to mind is uh the company we're going to be bringing people down in the RV and we're going to basically never whenever we leave the RV, we're only going to be in hazmat suits. So we're going to be experiencing the environment in a, in a, in a very uh, distinct way. It'll be interesting to encounter the various um, inhabitants of the locations that we're visiting and see how they might react to, um, you know, seven folks in hazmat suits. And we're actually going to try some um, dances in, in our hazmat suits to see if um, people respond to that as a, a new form of entertainment. So we're, we're really having this exploratory mind and um, imaginative space where hoping that people will engage us in, with curiosity and uh, rather, than, rather than fear. Um, and so hopefully we can create a, 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 a sense of welcome while we're um, approaching these sites in our hazmat suits
0: that sounds absolutely amazing carl and uh, i do hope that as you are are making your way across we we'll, we will be able to you know have you uh, live stream with us and and tell us about how it's going and maybe show us some uh, some clips of of how it how it goes when you're performing or even just you know leaving your rv and in the, the hazmat suits. Yeah,
6: we'll definitely be sending you daily reports, um, and, and video clips from, um, our, 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 various, uh, research sites and, and our encounters. We, we also plan to kind of have a daily log about the experience that each, uh, mover was, um, had during that particular day, because as you can imagine, driving across the United States during the pandemic is, um, you know, going to be, a, a, a have a um, a lot a lot of sense of pressure and and maybe some anxiety around it and then just the fact that we're always going to be in hazmat suits when we leave the rv that that that's not something your typical professional dancer um encounters in, in their daily life so and we really haven't trained for this either so we're just kind of getting in that rv and going so we'll see how that goes but i'm wondering would you all like to meet the movers that i have with me yeah.
0: we would love to meet the movers that you have
6: so because we want to keep in our our, our protocol i have to put my my mask back on here all right sarah, next to me is i'll let you introduce yourself come on okay
0: you go
6: ahead no next to me is mover sarah mccullough and she can share a little bit about herself okay, take your, your mask off
2: right
6: there yeah go ahead hi yep.
2: no. Um, uh, my name is Sarah. I'm a mover with the company. This is my second year performing with Carl on Black Label Movement. I'm originally from Virginia, living in Minnesota now, and I'm super excited to come and join you at Zam.
6: And
3: on the other side here, we have Chang Zhang.
2: Hi, it's
3: really hot in here. Um, uh,
2: I'm Chang Zhang. I'm, uh, one of, uh, Black label movements um, oldest oldest moving mover right now. I've been here since been with him since seven years, uh, so <clears throat> I'm excited and uh, ready to get this rolling.
1: Can I ask, have you guys driven across the country in an RV together before, or will this be the first?
6: This is our our maiden voyage. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I, I should also say that um, Chang is one of the. Um, most respected b-boys in in the Minnesota dance scene. So we're we're hoping that he will um, uh, be sharing some of that incredible movement on our way down to uh, Tempe.
0: Wonderful. Carl, um, before we uh, move on to uh, Dr. Zed, I did want to ask you a little bit about this. project that you have been working on very intensely um, to actually make it possible for your movers um, to interact with each other um, without having um, protective equipment on. I know that that's not exactly, you know, what uh, the, the goal is for the trip across the country, but you do have a protocol that allows you to be in close proximity. And I thought it would be really interesting for us to talk about that.
6: Yeah, um, Athena. We actually do hope um, to be able to uh, actually pursue some of that um, contact and close proximity while we're on our way down to the down to Tempe. So uh, two weeks ago, we created a, a new presentation for TEDx Minneapolis where we worked with uh, a medical engineer. I mean, a medical doctor, John Halberg. And we created a 17 day bubble where every, everybody in the company self-quarantined and then we went through a um, three COVID tests over a seven day period. And the beauty of that is it allowed us to take off rubber gloves, take off our masks and actually come in contact with each other. And that presentation is very much about that. And we will be doing a, a sequence of two tests before we enter the RV with the hope that in some very special moments during our trip, that we can actually um, get out of our our hazmat suits and experience um, the you know physical touch and and um, uh, step away from social distancing. So, John Hallberg has been an invaluable resource because he's kind of held our hand that whole time and given us a chance to basically, at one point he said during the last bubble that only the Minnesota Twins baseball team was more um, tested or certain of their status in terms of COVID. And that for a nonprofit dance company was really um, a gift.
0: So you're really kind of exploring the very edge here of how we make it possible to move together and touch each other during this really challenging time that we're in, you know, the, the zombie apocalypse that we're in?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, for, for all of us, it's been sad. Uh, it's beautiful to see professional sports getting a chance to come together and do what they do. But the society isn't coming together to give artists a chance to get back together and pursue the kind of research and creations that we, that we make uh, that are also an essential part of our society. And so to have um, John Hallberg in the medical school here at the University of Minnesota, supporting this research and giving us a chance to come together to create again, uh, is is actually quite extraordinary. We, we, we don't know of any other performing company in, in the um, United States right now that is doing this. I'm not saying there isn't, but we're just not aware of um, other companies that are, are are having the chance. So we're hoping, that through this process, we're actually able to create um, best practices for for companies to start um, finding their way together to create in uh, close proximity and possibly even contact.
0: Well, we feel so lucky to have you as a part of Channel Z and Zam and I am, just anxiously awaiting your reports. Um, when when are you going to be setting off um, in the RV?
6: We will be leaving either uh, next on uh, the night of October 10 or um, uh, Sunday, October 11. And we will be making our way. We have a, a very full itinerary to, to try to investigate, on, investigate various phenomenon across the country. And um, we'll be really excited to share imagery and our experiences on the way down.
5: And and then um, just to add, uh, I'll be down in Sedona, and Carl and the troop is going to do uh, is going to arrive, and we're going to uh, do a shoot and film them. And this will also be a new thing to interact and to make a film, uh, during COVID. So that's a first, but I agree wholeheartedly with Carl. We need to try to stretch what's happening. And, um, if sports team ke- teams can do it, uh, we should be able to do it.
0: Yeah. So Alana, as a filmmaker, your life has been completely upended by this as well. So this is in a way, a bit of a return to some kind of normalcy of actually being able to do a shoot with Carl Flink and Black Label movement. Yeah, you could say that. Um it
5: is. I mean uh, it's going to be a one-person crew and my 15-year-old son who's going to be my PA. So you know constraints sometimes are the best breeding ground for fantastic creativity.
6: And I and I th- I should emphasize that Even though we're having fun with this, of course, we are taking all of these protocols extremely seriously. Uh, The the company, as Chang has been with me for over seven years now, and we have other company members who have been here for nine. We are a very close knit um, community. And so their health and safety are paramount. And so none of this is being done kind of frivolously. The the protections and precautions we're taking are are um, at the, the you know, highest level that we can we can find right now. And we and as a group, we've decided that we can come together to take to take these reasonable risks that we that we have um, identified.
0: Great. Let's uh, on that note, I think it'd be wonderful to bring in our um, resident medical expert, Dr. Zed. Uh, Dr. Zed, thank you so much for joining us on the launch here of season three of Zombified. Would you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your your show, Dr. Zed, the Dr. Zed show?
7: Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm Joe Alcock. I am host of the Dr. Zed show. So you can call me Dr. Zed. Uh, I am my Day job, I'm an emergency physician at uh, the University of New Mexico, where we take care of all manner of emergencies. And um, I got a background in evolutionary medicine, really interested in the microbiome. um, There's lots of interesting details that we can bring into our current situation. I'll tell you, I'm coming at you right now from a fairly remote spot on the map, Temas Springs. And in the city, things were getting a little bit intense. For me today, and I felt like I really had to uh, make my escape. So I had my go bag in my car. I uh, gathered up some um, some supplies, and I spent a day in uh, one of the least populated parts of New Mexico. Uh, but then it turned out that uh, you know I had to find a Wi-Fi signal. So this is a, a problem during an apocalypse. What do you? How do you do that when you're in the middle of an enormous national forest? So you can check out the map, see where I'm at. Pemez Springs, I found a library, maybe the only place around that has some Wi-Fi. I did notice, though, there's a very large animal nearby with some repetitive stereotypes, halting movements, kind of jerky movements. Um, It frightened me, uh, but I I think it's probably a horse. Um, So just to to kind of put, put you in the scene of where I'm at right now.
0: So, Joe, I mean, it strikes me that, you know, when there are challenges with Wi-Fi, I mean, not only is that an impediment to communication, but it can also be an impediment to telling if the people who you're talking to have actually turned into zombies or not. Right. Because you can, you know, hear these breaks in voice. Um, the movements can be, you know, slightly jerky. Like, honestly, as you were speaking, I wasn't sure. Like, is this just his connection or is Dr. Zed? Um, you know, perhaps been bitten while he's out there in the wilderness.
7: Right. You never know. Um, I, I've encountered some very strange things out here. So uh, I'll be reporting on those during the Doctor Zed show. We can talk more about, uh, you know, various infections, um, things that take over your brain. Uh, we'll be we'll be approaching this from a medical perspective. Uh, how can we deal with each other and diseases and wounds? in the zombie apocalypse uh, i'll have some very uh well regarded uh internationally known wilderness and emergency medicine experts who will join me in the dr zed show we're going to talk about how we improvise medical treatments when you don't have access to the hospital and we're going to talk about uh how do you how do you improvise medicines when you don't have a pharmacy
0: It sounds like an amazing set of episodes. Um, So just a reminder on um, Channel Z, we have several shows, including the Dr. Z show that um, Joe Alcock is the host of. And we will be holding the zombie apocalypse medicine meeting um, from October 15th. Through 18th. So if you want to join us for all of these shows and be a part of the fun, you can register for Zam here at zombiemed.org.
1: And, and one thing that's really fun about a lot of these shows, including the Dr. Zed show, is that they are really interactive. You can ask questions about your own curious zombie, I guess, questions. So, Problems, um, issues. Prob- yeah, exactly. Anxieties. <laughs> like, yeah so um.
0: yeah well i have had such a great time talking to all of you thank you so much for joining us on this uh great awesome phenomenal season three launch for zombified and i can't wait to see all of you at zam in just two short weeks
7: Bye. Look forward to it. It's going to be amazing. Bye, everyone. Yeah. It'll be great seeing everybody virtually, maybe in person. <laughs>
2: right. This was so much
0: Thank
1: fun. You. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thanks for sharing those brains. Mm.
7: All right. All right. <laughs> and
0: if the whole world says that we're crazy, we Zombified is a production of Arizona State University and the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Alliance.
1: And we would like to thank everyone who helped make Zombified possible, including the psychology department at ASU.
0: The Interdisciplinary Cooperation Initiative and the President's Office at ASU.
1: The Lincoln Center for Applied Ethics that are sadly, apparently about humans so.
0: i think zombies can be included in some <laughs> cases at least we'll, we'll keep we'll keep asking we'll keep working on that yeah <laughs> uh, and of course thank you to all the brains that help make this podcast including tall rom who does our sound
1: that's right the song you just heard and neil smith who makes all the illustrations including the ones in the intro and outro and, uh...
0: lemmy the creator of our song psychological
1: that's right. Um, and everyone on the Z team who helps with so many things from social media to transcription to coming up with ideas for things. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. We're really grateful to all of you on the Z team, on our zombified Z team, if it were <laughs> right, for everything that you do to help make this podcast happen.
1: And everybody who joined us today. Uh, so, thank you guys so much, Jessica. Cam, Alana, Erica, and Dr. Carl, Zed. Carl and Carl and Carl and your movers. So that's yeah. I can't wait to see that. That's gonna be really wild. So yeah.
0: And um, if you want to learn more about our podcast, you can go to zombify.org and don't forget that zam is coming up so fast it is october 15th through 18th if you haven't registered yet go to zombiemed.org and you can also um find links to buy our merchandise to follow us on social media and um, we can't wait to see all of you there
1: that's right and so and also just one more time so this is the launch of season three so we're going to have episodes coming out uh, over the next few days, including our uh, Cam and Jessica's episodes in that initial launch.
0: Yeah. So we're going to have Jessica Brinkworth's episode, The Talks Apocalypse, um, and followed very quickly by Who's on Your Z Team with Cam Carlson.
1: So I think they're both uh, should listen to them right away because they're very timely. So and a lot of fun. So Well, yeah. thanks, Athena. This was a lot of fun.
0: Well, thank you all for listening to Zombified, your source for fresh brains. I know
1: it's crazy, but it seems so logical. I can't deny that there's something supernatural
3: with you. It makes me